You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this is Volume 2 of Unscottable, our ongoing series on the films of director Tony Scott. On this episode, I'll be joined by the host of Inside the Sequel, Chris Hurtado, and we'll be talking about Tony Scott's smash hit 1986's Top Gun. But before we jump into that conversation, though, when we last left Tony Scott, he was coming off the critical and commercial disappointment of The Hunger, and he didn't know where his career was headed. Luckily for Tony, a project had been brewing for a couple of years with producers Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer that would change the course of Tony's career, and that project was, of course, Top Gun. Simpson and Bruckheimer were coming off a couple smash hits, Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop, and it was during the production of Beverly Hills Cop that Bruckheimer got the idea for Top Gun. He was waiting in a dentist's office and happened to read a magazine article on the Navy's fighter pilot program weapons testing school. Uh, and Bruckheimer thought to himself, this could be Star Wars on Earth. Uh, he and Don Simpson had to push a bit to get this project greenlit, but once they did, they got a script worked up, and maybe most importantly of all, they had to go get the Navy's full cooperation. Then They knew if they couldn't get use of the Navy's F-14 fighter jets, there was no movie. Once they got that, though, Simpson and Bruckheimer went after the guy they wanted as their star, Tom Cruise. Cruise was, of course, a rising star at this time, and Bruckheimer and Simpson desperately wanted him in the movie. But Cruise kept turning them down after multiple and multiple attempts. Finally, they called in a favor from the military and asked for permission to let Cruise go for a ride with one of their pilots in a Blue Angels jet. Uh, and even though Tom Cruise apparently threw up everywhere, being the adrenaline junkie that he is, uh, as soon as he landed, he immediately made the phone call and said he would do the movie. Finally, with all these pieces in place, it was time to find the right director. Two key things happened to help get Tony Scott this job on Top Gun. The first one was that Bruckheimer remembered a rafting trip he'd gone on with Don Simpson, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and several others, but the guy who stood out the most to him was Tony Scott. Tony was an avid outdoorsman, and during some downtime on the trip, he just up and decided to scale a 30-foot rock wall with no ropes, gloves, or any kind of safety equipment. The incident stood out in Bruckheimer's mind. The second thing was that Bruckheimer also saw a commercial that Tony did for the car company Saab, with one of their cars racing a jet. The look of the commercial and Scott's adventurous energy on the rafting trip convinced Bruckheimer that he was their guy for Top Gun. The studio wanted someone more established, but Bruckheimer pushed hard and got Tony the job. With all the pieces in place and a budget of $14 million, production began in June of 1985, and Tony Scott was fired almost immediately. (laughs) Now, I say fired, but it was also described as a 24-hour suspension, The studio didn't like that Scott was shooting the opening credit sequence of landings, takeoffs, and crewmen all in slow motion and with strange filters. They thought it looked too dark and foreboding. Scott agreed for a slightly more straightforward approach, basically to keep his job. Now, the second time Scott was fired from Top Gun was because the producers in the Navy thought he was over-sexualizing Kelly McGillis' character. Scott once again listened and changed course to keep his job. After months and months of grueling shooting, production finally wrapped in March 1986. Finally, the producers put together what they thought would be a hit soundtrack for the film. So at this point, with a stylish, high-energy movie from a talented director, a hot young cast, and their soundtrack of soon-to-be hits, they had pretty much engineered what would sh- what should be a hit movie. They just had no idea how big a hit it would be. On May 16, 1986, Top Gun opened with a respectable $8 million opening weekend. What was very impressive, though, was the movie's staying power. The second weekend, the box office actually went up to $9.5 million. The box office increase kept happening until the first weekend of June. When Top Gun finally finished its run, it ended up with $176 million domestically in the U.S. 
and when adjusted for inflation, that is $437 million today. Top Gun remained the biggest financial hit of Tony Scott's career, and now he was essentially a made man in Hollywood. Tony Scott had arrived. Oh, and one more important thing to note. (laughs) Somewhere during the filming of Top Gun, Tony Scott donned his famous light red baseball hat that you've probably seen him in in so many pictures throughout his career, and his iconic look was born. Now, with all that said, let's get to me and Chris talking about Top Gun. Top Gun was created to teach ACM, air combat maneuvering, dogfighting. In case some of you wonder who the best is, they're up here on this plaque on the wall. The best driver in his reel from each class has his name on it. You think your name's going to be on that plaque? Yes, sir. I like that in the pilot. Roger, I got him. Contact 20 left at 30 miles, 900 knots closure. Checks your body can't cash. Gentlemen, this school is about combat. There are no points for second place. All right, everybody. And we're back here on volume two of Unscottable to talk about Top Gun with someone I'm very excited to have back on the show because uh, I love talking movies with him. He is the host of the Inside the Sequels podcast. It's Chris Hurtado. Chris, how you doing? Hey, Matt, thanks for the second call on this one. I guess I did good with Congress Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I was thinking like on Godzilla vs. Kong, I was like saying how I wanted to have the show so bad for such a long time. And now you're going to be on the show like twice in one month. So it's like almost too much now at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're just we're making up for uh, time. You should have been on the show. So but yeah, I'm glad <laughs> to have you back already to talk about Top Gun because um, it's a big one for Tony Scott in this whole series. If we're doing a, a series in Tony Scott, Top Gun is one of the the most important movies, maybe the most important movie in his whole career. So it's a big one. So um, excited you're here for it. Should be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, before we jump into it, though, I just want to give you a chance to talk about um, your podcast a little bit inside the sequel. People who are listening to this don't know. Uh, I think they might. But if they don't, then you can tell them a little bit about it. So, oh, yeah. Inside the sequel, uh, the podcast where we talk about sequel movies and why they don't get enough love and attention. And we bring that um, to let everybody know, like, hey, this uh, sequel exists. So you should watch it. Uh, and you were on Matt where we talked about RoboCop, uh, two and three. And, um, and, you know, that was like one of those ripe sequels where it was like, it fits the mold of what I want for the podcast to be like. And I, I thought it was pretty successful. So, uh, I'm so excited to be on Unscottable. Uh, I remember in our discord chat, I, you know, you pitched this idea and I was like, that is such a clever name. I love that. And, uh, you know, I had to get my hands on this one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you jumped on for a big one, so it's good. And uh, I got to give credit every time it comes up, Mark Warner for the name because he talked about it, and I was like, "That's brilliant. It has to be done in some way." I was like, <laughs> "Can I please take it?" And he's like, "Go for it." So yeah, I love the name too. Um, excited to have you here. So everyone, check out Inside the Sequel. And I have to mention, and I already told you I was going to mention this, but you you've done a series recently with Daniel Epler and Mitch Oliver 
uh, of fantasy Oscars for the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. And the first part was on Cobwebs. Second part was on Terror Table. And the last part of this came out in 2010s was on your podcast. And, like, the whole thing, the whole project has been, like, my favorite podcasting thing of this whole year so far. And the <laughs> 2010s was, like, was wild. Like, I didn't think it'd get any wilder. But, like, you guys are just, like, the three of you together is such a fun dynamic. And let's, like, I just had a blast listening to that podcast. Like, some wild, listen, some wild stuff happened. I mean, it was, I don't know. Like, I think Daniel was going to lose his mind at one point. But to listen to it was a lot of fun. <laughs> If you're if you're really into online bullying, you definitely need to listen to 2010's Fantasy Oscar because that's what happened to me. I'm one of the victims of that. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> but I'm so oh. glad you loved it, Matt. I mean, we did it for like our friends. And then like after that first volume, it came out and it got really well received. And we were all like, OK, so this is like. Uh, like people were loving this thing. I remember the third episode. I was like, most people won't listen to this one. It's I can say whatever stupid shit I want. <laughs> and then Daniel's like, well, people will listen for this one. And I'm like, oh shit. Well, I gotta <laughs> crank it up a little bit, right? So uh, I feel like there was a lot of moments in the 2010s episode where, mind you, that was a very heavily ed- ed- edited episode on my part. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, it was just. Uh, <laughs> Ah, it was just like so crazy, like with everyone's takes. I, it was funny. I was re-listening to a part of it, not all of it, but part of it. And I was like, man, we start off so calm and collected. And dare I say, I think people would have like acknowledged like, yeah, these are solid picks. Like these are genuinely good <laughs> conversations about film. And then it get pro- gets progressively more aggressive and toxic and crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to thank my editing skills on that one, but I think I accomplished what I set out to do. And um, it is our longest episode. It's a three hour and 40 minute podcast. And that's with me doing a lot of edits to it. Wow. I mean, you had to cover like 10 years. So, I mean, it makes sense they'd be that long. And like, it was a lot to talk about. It was funny because I feel like that 2010s ones does start off like pretty calm. And I feel like Mitch, was, I think Mitch is the one that says like, oh yeah, this is going pretty well. Like Chris, your picks are like pretty, like pretty normal. <laughs> and then like, I don't want to spoil like the pick that really sends things off the rails, but there's a pick that you made that like where I think Daniel walked away from his computer. And oh <laughs> so, yeah. I haven't like, actually heard from him since that recording. <laughs> I, I don't even know what he's doing anymore. Apparently I hope he's, I... Oh, ahead, uh, he has a YouTube channel now and, and, and stuff. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to talk to him for me. <laughs> I got kicked well. off the Discord chat and everything. <laughs> I'm going to try to repair the bridge between you two and get you guys back together. <laughs> <laughs> I burned my bridges on YouTube, and I guess in the podcast world, too, I'm I'm untouchable. Like, nobody wants to be around me. <laughs> well, I still want to talk to you, so you, you got a, you got a spot here. Um, and if anyone has listened to those, yeah, go check out Cobwebs and Terror Table and Inside the Sequel and find those fancy Oscar episodes because they're great. Um, and for being, like, all over three hours long, they kind of they flew by. I thought so they were a lot of fun so yeah when you talk um, about movies you know like it's just it's just a good time you know what I mean like yeah. you're like oh, I like that movie and you think about it in the scheme of Oscars and uh when are the Oscars going to be <laughs> now that we're talking about I it. only know because I just saw a commercial today uh April 25th is when they're happening so oh wow pretty soon uh so I I, I barely kept up this year 2020 was weird anyway with COVID so you know, it's we'll see. Uh, I'll probably still watch them because I feel like I always end up watching them. But <laughs> then I'll probably <laughs> get mad at a couple of the ask, a, a, actual winners. But uh, but we'll see. Well, there's some good stuff nominated. So uh, fans Oscar is probably more fun than the normal Oscar. <laughs> well, I'm so. glad we have a fan out there. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yes. OK, so now let's let's get into Top Gun here. This is, uh, the, you know, the reason we're here. So, uh, Chris, I will start off by asking you like do you remember when you first saw top gun and kind of what are your general feelings on top gun yeah so top gun it was actually funny i have in my notes here the first time i watched it was in community college so i just turned 25 um and this so this would have been around 2014 2015 it was in the summer i remember because like oddly enough like this call and in the movie i was shirtless when i was watching it it was like a hot <laughs> summer day so I, I distinctly remember that and uh, I was watching it because uh, growing up, I always knew about Top Gun and like the catchphrases and like the nicknames, you know, like I always remember saying like, I had the need, the need for speed and like telling my friends, well, I your dong goose. And, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I've always re- known who like Iceman and Maverick are. And my dad likes to move. But I am convinced this movie is like, I think like you take a step back. You're like, well, or actually, if you just look at it face value, excuse me, you'd think like this is for the boys. Like this is one of the boys <laughs> movies, you know, like some airplanes some fighter jets some cool nicknames and, you know, bravado. But you take a step back 
I think this is a movie for the gals, in my opinion. Like this is <laughs> like Tony Scott, you know, bless his heart. He made a movie for the female audience, I feel like. And for men who are very comfortable with their sexuality, which I respect. So Tony Scott, I think, <laughs> mixed a lot of things in this. And, and I think it works out. It is such a time capsule. But I was at community college, which is a very impressionable time to watch this movie. And um, I'm still afraid to play volleyball because my shirt might come off and I might be OK with it. And I have a pair of joggers somewhere. <laughs> Oh my I'm just amazed we're getting into like, the volleyball part like so quickly into the podcast. <laughs> like I kind of knew this would happen, but not like this soon. But um, that's a, yeah, the shirt's a good off point. already. <laughs> already, listen, you got to play playing with the boys in the background by Kenny Loggins. Um, that uh, I, it's funny because the, it, the the it's a good point about the the volleyball part there. But it's like for the female, it's like from the female gaze. Like it's like it's like from the female perspective. And uh, they, uh, Tony Scott read or, or, or wrote something where he was like, he didn't know what to do with the volleyball scene. He was like, they had this volleyball scene written. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. And he's like, you know what? The scene is for the ladies. And he said, some of the guys too, whoever, you know, whoever likes it, it's fine. Uh, so he's like, whoever, you know, he's like, but I'll shoot this like, and just to show off these guys. <laughs> like, he was like, listen, he's like, I'm trying to please everybody in the theater at this point. It's like, the guys are here for like fighter jet action. The ladies get to look at these guys playing volleyball shirtless. Like he's making a, a blockbuster for everybody. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you like Top Gun, it sounds like. <laughs> I, I, I do. I wouldn't like go out on a limb and be like, it's an amazing movie. Uh, you know, but it, it'll, it's a movie where I'm like, you know what? It's such a capsule of the late eighties that, um, I stand by it. You know, if people don't like it. I get it. If people love it, I'm like, what do you love about it? But, um, I, I, I just really like the movie. I think when it's cause you know, Tom, <laughs> Tony Scott's movies are are like I, I know so much about him and seeing his name like in front of a lot of movies, but a lot of them I also haven't seen. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I've actually seen like three, so it's like Top Gun, True Romance, and Man on Fire are the only movies of his I've seen. Wow. Okay. All right, but well, hopefully I've, the series can help you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But I've known, and it's mostly for like movies like I know about if I haven't seen. So like when you did your episode on The Hunger, I remember that because Daniel did an episode and it sounded like a crazy movie that I couldn't believe mm -hmm. the guy who did Top Gun did it. And then I remember, you know, Days of Thunder I've been very aware of and Unstoppable. I remember the trailers for that and thinking like, oh, yeah, Tony Scott, I know this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, True Romance is probably my favorite Tony Scott movie. But Top Gun is like <laughs> is the one I most associate with him. And I, you know what, people are going to say like, oh, it's not that great a movie. It's overrated because it was like, I think it was the biggest movie of 1986. I can't it was remember the highest grossing movie in 1986, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, I can believe it. This movie's <laughs> this movie thirsted. I, I feel like people like thirsted for this movie because like <laughs> it has everything you want. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, speaking though, they were thirsting for it because this is crazy. <laughs> this does not happen nowadays like that much. But this movie came out and did well the first weekend. I think I read it made like eight million dollars, which in 1986 is like, I think, 20 something million uh, now. And then it like it did this thing where it kept going. It kept making more. So it's like next weekend it goes up. Weekend after that it goes up and it keeps, like, keeps going up. Usually box office you know goes down the first weekend. But this movie like had either repeat audience or a word of mouth. So it was like blowing up throughout like the summer of 1986 <laughs> and became the biggest movie of the year um it's crazy yeah it's okay so i will say this i'll tell you this chris this was the episode of all tony scott's movies i was most nervous to do because it's his biggest movie and i uh, i people <laughs> get mad at me i've never been the biggest top gun fan like i didn't even see it till just a few years ago and i did see it in a local like repertory theater they screened it like with a big crowd and it was fun but I had never seen it before. And I'm I'm sitting there watching Top Gun and just knowing all the cultural references and stuff and all the lines and all, you know, need for speed. And then I'm like, wait, <laughs> does this movie have a plot? Because <laughs> it's it's and even I think Tony Scott admits most people admit on the movie that the, the story is is very secondary in Top Gun. Like it is all <laughs> about like it, they really designed a blockbuster from the ground up. Like they were really just trying to make a hit movie. Like, and they did a good job because it's got all the pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, like it looks amazing. It's got a very talented cast from top to bottom. Like a lot of like up and comers, attractive stars. And it's got an amazing soundtrack, which is like a big deal for blockbusters. Like, mm -hmm. so it's got all the pieces in place. Um, and this it's funny like because, the, oh, I'm sorry. This oh, is like, a, this is like the best soundtrack CD since, um, like I think, this, the second best would probably be Godzilla 98 CD, 
But uh, I remember <laughs> having the CD. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, you get Danger Zone. You get Playing with the Boys. You get uh, Take My Breath Away. I mean, there's so much good stuff on this soundtrack. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, the movie is like so like. I mean, from what you look at, it, you're like impressed at like, oh, they really put together a blockbuster. Good job. Uh, and it's like, and I feel bad because not bad, but it's funny because the two of us are younger than this movie. So it's like <laughs> we missed, we kind of missed how big it was for people. And I know people love this movie. Like it was a big deal to people. Um, yeah, when it came out, they watched it over and over. Like I had a friend who was my age, but like in like when I was very, like third, fourth grade, who was super into like just planes and jets in general because mm-hmm. of Top Gun. So people love Top Gun. I don't want to. And this time I watched it for the podcast and I did like it more than the like the first time I'd seen it. And uh, I think I might even like it more because of how much I love Tony Scott and how important it is to his career, because like Mm -hmm. his whole career basically is start. It jumps from this point. You know, it's like this kind of makes him for like a long time. So Mm -hmm. kind of makes me like Top Gun even more. But I mean, it's a fun it's a very fun movie. I get it. Like I just some things I'm like. I'm, I'm questioning, like, is there really a story here? I guess it doesn't really matter that much, but you know what I mean? it's, like, it's like one of those movies that's like a three, three and a half star, but like the the entertainment value of it, like over like like supersedes all that, you know, and it does feel like this. Like when I think of Top Gun, I'm always like, I remember this scene and this scene and this line and that line. It's like, oh, those are really good parts. But then you put it all into like what is like almost two hours long and you're like, oh, man, like what else were they putting in this movie? <laughs> And they, also, yeah. it also was one of the first Tom Cruise movies that made me very aware of his height, because there's a <laughs> lot of scenes where I'm like, oh, he's really not as tall as Tom Scared. I know that as a fact. <laughs> <laughs> he's taller. He's shorter than a lot of people in this movie. And I, I had a funny note about that, that he's he's actually three inches taller than Kelly McGillis, who, of course, <laughs> plays his love interest. And people were like, I think the studio was like, you got to do something. We can't have him walking next to her and being three inches shorter. So she would like not wear shoes. And he'd wear like these cowboy boots that gave him a lift <laughs> to to keep them like closer in height. Um, so yeah, this movie, like, yeah. this movie's for my five foot six boys out there, like for <laughs> sure. Like this is up there. <laughs> like yeah, they're doing their best. And it's funny because yeah, this movie, I mean, it does a lot of things at the time. Like it kind of changes uh, where blockbusters are at the time. Like a lot of movies try to be Top Gun after Top Gun comes out. Um, it makes Tom Cruise go from like a star, like, cause you know, he had risky business. So he's a star, but this is like superstar now, you know, this is like next mm-hmm. level for Tom Cruise. So, um, yeah, he, he blows up after this movie. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> what a weird premise for a movie too. Just like a competitive, um, ace fighter pilot school. <laughs> like it's so weird. And I, I know this movie cause like, you know, as you know, when you do research for Top Gun, you, you know, like a bunch of people are going to jerk it off, which, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm there with them. Like, I mean, my hands are on the cockpit, but like, it's like people are like, oh, the military used this as recruitment videos. And I'm like, yeah, which scenes? Because I mean, certain scenes would make me want to join the military, too. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, this movie's pretty accurate to like schools. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> but uh, I, I think the movie's just like really fun and it has a lot of iconic moments. Mm-hmm. for like a movie that's like all right you know but i feel like if anybody else did this movie outside of tony scott i don't think it would have caught as nearly a much um uh attraction that it did you know because i'm i'm such a ridley scott fan like he's one of my all-time favorites and um i like how in the first episode when you're talking to Lindsay, you talk about how tony scott is similar but different in genres with ridley you know, like they make some okay movies, but then like they harp on like a certain genre and they ride that for a while, you know, until they do something else. And uh, I feel like Tony Scott, he got this at the right time and he went with it and he kicked ass, you know, making this movie. Um, obviously, because, it, 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 you know, it, it, it related to so many people, oddly enough. And uh, I think it has to do with the casting choices, having like a young Tom Cruise, you have a young Meg Ryan, um, you get Val Kilmer, you know, mm-hmm. who debated was one of the most attractive guys at the time here. Um, <laughs> and I forget the actor's name who plays Goose. Um, oh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. And, yep. and, and then an older Tom, Tom Skerritt with an amazing porn stash. And, you know, <laughs> it's like it's ripe for so many people. Um, also, I think it's. I think we got to pay like tribute to Tony Scott in this movie because this is 1986 and I made a list of movies that came out that same year that it beat out like in the box office. Oh, uh-huh. it, like, <laughs> you had best picture winner platoon. You had aliens karate kid Two, 
Ferris Bueller, Cobra, Raw Deal, Running Scared, Big Trouble, Little China, The Fly, uh, Spike Lee's first She's Gotta Have It, Manhunter from Michael Mann, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Wow, that's a really... I didn't realize how good a year the movies that 1986 was. I like a bunch of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> like, I fucked with 86 heavy. Like, it's an <laughs> insane year. It, yeah, wow. That So it's even more impressive that it's, like, the number one movie of the year and it comes out of nowhere. Like, um, I don't know if you read about how this movie kind of came together in the first place because it's really... Tony Scott kind of jumps onto it after it's already been kind of um, uh, made up by Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, you're like, oh, it's the story about this school and these competitive pi- uh, pilots, but it ca- came from like a story in a magazine because, oh. <laughs> uh, Jerry Bruckheimer's at a like dentist or doctor's office or something. And he's in the waiting room and he picks up this magazine and reads this article about, um, the Top Gun Academy. The article's called like Top Guns. And he's like, oh, we could make a movie out of this. He said, he's, his quote was, this is like Star Wars on earth. Which I'm not really <laughs> quite sure that I like agree with hundred percent, but like, I like where his head's at. But um, so he takes it and they, they work for like, I think, like four years, him and Don Simpson trying to get this off the ground. And they're having a hard time because like studio kind of is like, we don't get it. We don't see any interest in this. And and um, some things kind of change around and they get it going and they get Tony Scott. And it's funny because they get Tony Scott based off like a few things. They, they see the hunger. They like the style in that um, he does a commercial for Saab, the car company. Uh, and uh, it's like a car versus a jet. That's like, that's all they need to see. They're like, this guy can shoot jets. He did in a commercial. <laughs> and like Jerry Bruckheimer went on a like river rafting trip with Tony Scott. And like, oh, this guy like is a badass. He like, he knows adventure. Like that was basically, <laughs> And he's like, I should get that guy to do Top Gun. And that's kind of how it all came together. And even Tony Scott, I think when he first got it, I was reading that he kind of was like, I'm not really sure what to do with this movie. <laughs> because He's like, I think there's something here. He couldn't crack it. And then finally, and I, this is like, I, this comes through in the movie. He's like, basically I'm making about uh, a movie about like just rock stars flying jets. He's like, I'm just like cool guys flying jets. That's all. It's all it needs to be. And I'm gonna make it like, like a music video cool as it can possibly be, which uh, he's very successful in that. That works completely. <laughs> it does kind of work as a music video. You're, you're really right. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> cool montages throughout this whole movie. Also, I love this is like one of my favorite trilogies. It's the Maverick trilogy where you watch this and then you watch A Few Good Men and then Edge of Tomorrow. And you see the tragic story of Tom Cruise's Maverick character <laughs> in different parts of the branches of the military. <laughs> oh, I like I like that idea. Actually. <laughs> um. Man, he's uh, it's funny because uh, it's like Tom Cruise in this is I mean, he's he's like I said, he's already kind of famous, but he's not like a a list quite yet. But like this movie just doesn't. I was talking about last time how Tony Scott can make anybody like look cool. And I feel Mm -hmm. like he does that like 100 percent with Tom Cruise and basically everybody because everyone looks good. But um, yeah, he really he really sells it. And did you know that Tom Cruise did not want to do this movie? I didn't know that. I figured he wanted to make it oh, look cool. The funny thing was, I a lot of people turned this movie down who were end up being the movie. <laughs> like <laughs> um, Tom Cruise did not want to do it. They kept sending him like the scripts or pages from it, and he was like, "I don't want to do this movie. I don't get it." And finally, they got him like uh, with some military guys and got him up in a plane. And we, I think, we know Tom Cruise is like an adrenaline junkie, and he was like, "Okay, I mean, I'm on board." That's all he had to do was get him in a jet, and uh, he's like, "I'm on board." But it took forever. And then they Val Kilmer did not want to do it. Um, he thought it was stupid. <laughs> and they and they he was on like a three picture deal with Paramount and he was at the end of his deal and they kind of were like forcing him into it. And then like finally he met with Tony Scott and Tony Scott, like his energy got him on board. He's like, OK, I like this guy. I'll do it. And they became friends for a long time. It took him a while to get on board. And someone who wasn't in the movie who <laughs> who hated it, Ali Shady from Breakfast Club. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She was almost the Kelly McGillis part. Uh, but she literally she thought the movie was one of the stupidest things she ever read. She didn't understand it. She was like, this is a how is this a movie? This is stupid. And then like just completely did not want anything to do with it. Um, so a lot of people just did not get this movie at first. The studio, a bunch of the actors, Tony Scott, like and I think he cracked it. Like, I think a lot of people make this movie. It is not that memorable. It's not that big a hit. Um, and Tony Scott, I think, approached it like the best way you possibly could. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, when people are like, I don't get this movie, it's okay. Like, high art cinema is not for everyone. So, like, if people wanted to, like, reject this movie at first, I get it. I don't blame them. I mean, <laughs> Top Gun probably deserves to be in the pythion of, like, you know, high art cinema, right? 
it, honestly, when I watch this, I've seen this movie like twice or three times now. And I swear, I feel like I'm drinking a vodka Red Bull when I watch this movie. <laughs> it is so amped up <laughs> and the music yeah. works so well. And then it like it slows down out of nowhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. you get like these fun moments and then then it goes back into like adrenaline and it, you know, it's like, Oh, uh, this really like sincere loves like segment of the movie. And then it's like, push it to the limit. You know, <laughs> and then they start shooting out. <laughs> and it's like, that is like the bravado. Um, it, I don't know. I just love it. I feel like this is a movie that told like young boys, like this is how you're supposed to hang out with your friends. You're supposed to be like goose and Maverick and have a rival <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, at least that's how I always thought. <laughs> you got to find an ice man to be like your rival. Uh, it's funny, though, because I when I was before I saw the movie, I thought he was like way more of a like a bad guy to them. But he's really not that much of a villain. He's just kind of they have a rivalry, but he's not like fucking with him that bad. Or, you know what I mean? It's I thought he was like they were getting in fights and like, beat, you know, it's like I thought they were going to kill each other. But um, not as bad as I thought when I first saw the movie. I was like, oh, OK, he's not that bad. He's not really like the bad guy, bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's just uh I don't know. It, you know, it's so easy to write this movie off as like an oddly homoerotic movie. But like, I love also Nightmare on Elm Street, too, that mm-hmm. like I'm so OK with that in movies, especially a movie like that's what part of like Top Gun is for me is like these guys acting so tough when I'm like they get so close to each other. I'm like, are you going to kiss or no? <laughs> and then Val Kilmer does that weird thing with his teeth where he kind of clicks his teeth at him, which I've never understood. <laughs> Oh, like, I still do that too. Like my friends sometimes get right in their face and do that. <laughs> he's yeah, like, you he's... guys are some real cowboys, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> What's your oh. problem? You're everyone's problem, man. <laughs> oh, and it was funny. Cause I was reading, um, what was it? Something, I think it might've been from like guys who were actual pilots and they were saying like, if you watch the movie, uh, Iceman is probably the better choice to, mm-hmm. He's like the better pilot than Maverick because <laughs> Maverick <laughs> is like a loose cannon. And it's like, no, Iceman's kind of like, right. Like Maverick's kind of like a little too crazy. Up there. <laughs> hey, you get what, what does he say? You can get my back anytime. Right. Or you can be yeah. my wingman anytime. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's only a line about you can get my back anytime. Because I was reading uh, something about it's it's it comes up like every time you're a Top Gun. Like I think Tarantino also pushed this narrative about like that. It's it is very homoerotic. Like and. I think Tony Scott said something like he didn't know that was going to happen, <laughs> like, but he he thought it was cool. He was like, oh, that's, that's good. He's like, I didn't plan that to happen, but it's apparently and I don't want to speak on it because I'm not a gay man, but I don't it's like I don't want to like say, speak for them. But I did. I think it's like a, a big hit movie amongst like against amongst gay men. I don't know. Like I, they probably enjoyed it because I think Tony Scott did the volleyball scene. He's like, oh, this is this is just for the ladies. And then he's like, oh, he's like, oh, OK, there's guys that can enjoy this, too. Like, I don't know how they were thinking in the 80s. But, <laughs> I feel like uh, we're at now. I feel like where we're at now, that scene is more for the boys at this point. And the girls are just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, the girls are probably like, what? Like, this is tough. Like flexing. We say hit a volleyball. Like, I can't remember. Um, Iceman's uh, co-pilot. He like I feel like he straight up flexes at one point for no reason. Yeah, yeah. And then you tell your best bud, you're like, "Son, your ego's writing checks. Your body can't catch." Yeah. And then he's like, "What?" <laughs> oh, so Tony Scott really made a move for everybody. It's like it's like just uh, women, the gay men, uh, just the dudes who wanted to go and like watch uh, jets fly around, like a real blockbuster for everybody. And it's crazy to me that like this movie also bumped up. Uh, an enlistment in the Navy, like, because they had, like, Navy recruitment stations, like, outside of theaters when Top Gun was out. Like, they'd set up little booths and try to get guys who were, like, jacked up on Top Gun to come out and sign up to be in the Navy. (laughs) Um, And also, you know, Top Gun is a movie, I mean, obviously, it's so synonymous with Tom Cruise. It's, like, weird, because, like, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of movies usually are with the main character, but in Top Gun... It's always been about goose for me, man. Like when you think about movies where like the side characters are better than possibly the main character, I feel like Top Gun has to be one of those movies because, man, this movie is like all I mean, I think Goose steals a show. And then later on in the movie, what happens to Goose? The movie starts to kind of slow down for me after that. And I think that's a really bold choice, at least when I first watched this movie. um, I thought it was like a bold choice from Tony Scott. Kind of shows some of those directing chops, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, I was going to bring that up. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up about Goose, because like he is a really likable character. And there was something in the commentary about like I can't remember who said it because a lot of people in the commentary. But they uh, I think my Jerry Bruckheimer said they really uh, they 
they were debating whether to actually kill Goose or not because he's such a likable character and uh, he's like he became pretty popular. But they were like, man, we don't want to do it, but we feel like it kind of moves the story along. But yeah, I was going to ask you felt about that because I, I always kind of hate when he has to die. I'm like, couldn't you guys just put him in the hospital or something? Do you have to kill him? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. damn. It's and when like, he's singing oh. great balls of fire on the piano, oh, oh love those scenes. <laughs> yeah, and Meg Ryan only has like two or three scenes. Uh, breaks my heart in the scene when Tom Cruise has to go see her after Goose dies. Oh, yeah. So she's so sad because they said like uh, they got her and she was very unknown at the time and she could like one of those actors who could literally cry on command and she did it like 20 times in a row <laughs> where she would do the scene and they she would kind of stop in between and then they would be like, okay, we're going again. And then she would just start crying again. <laughs> so <laughs> she's good. I mean, she doesn't have much to do, but she makes the most of it. Um, and this, I think I brought this up last time with Lindsay that like one thing Tony Scott is really good at his movies is like casting from like top to bottom, like the biggest role to the smallest role. And I think the make Ryan uh, part's a pretty good example of that where it's like doesn't have many scenes, but she she's very important when she is in the movie. So, um, yeah, no, that this that makes me so sad every time. I'm like, why does Goose have to die? <laughs> yeah, and it's such an awkward part of the movie, too. You know, it's not like near the end of the movie or anything like that. It's kind of like midway. Yeah, it's that's the movie's kind of paced weird. It almost feels like it's it like kind of starts and stops up like it kind of like like you said, it's like it's rah, rah, adrenaline. Then it kind of slows down like love scene and it's kind of back into like you know, this and like near the end almost feels like when Goose dies, like, wait, is the movie almost over? But they still have like, I think like 30 minutes left or something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's it, that's kind of strange in that way about how it's like plotted out and how it's paced. But um, but I get yeah. used to that more after I've seen it the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then they have like the we're doing this because we're going to fight the Russians, you know, but then like when the Russians somewhat come through, I'm like, oh, I totally forgot who we're fighting against. <laughs> Well, apparently they had to keep that kind of vague because like, you know, they worked very closely with the military in this movie. That's how they got like all the jets and all this stuff. And uh, in this, there was a lot of stuff that got changed from the script because the military was like, nope, get rid of that, get rid of that. And uh, the military was like, can you make this like really vague who we're going against? Like, don't, it was supposed to be like North Korea at first. And they were like, don't do that. And then they said, just keep it vague because we don't want to actually start any like international incidents with anybody. (laughs) So that kind of makes sense for that. And Kelly McGill's character was supposed to be uh a woman in the navy but then the military had problems with that because they said oh no uh officers can't fraternize with each other you got to make her somebody like outside so they got the idea to like make her an outside consultant for that reason oh just so they could fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> jerry brockheimer down tips me, like these two have to have sex how do we make this happen <laughs> That's so awesome yeah i mean this movie influenced a whole generation that checking out your instructor is a good thing <laughs> Because after seeing this community college, I was like looking at my professors a little differently after that. And I was like, thanks, Tony Scott. I'm about to get expelled from my community college. (laughs) For fraternizing with my professor. (laughs) But then after I was confused, I was like, was it the male professor or the female teacher professor? I don't know which one now. (laughs) It's either one. Um, Whatever you you feel like doing, it's fine. Um, But (laughs) uh, one thing I have to mention, because we just talked about it, is like, I know a lot of people have a problem. I think a problem with this movie for they kind of feel like it's very like it's like American military propaganda. It's like very like rah rah America, <laughs> and like it, and it got people into the Navy. Obviously, it was like military. I think I read that it, somebody said it's like the best military recruitment tool ever made. Which I mean, I get it because they look everything looks super cool. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I don't really. I don't have a problem with it. Like, I get it. I know what they were doing because they had all this military access. They kind of had to play nice with the uh, with the military a lot and um, to get all this, the jets and everything. But um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know if you feel any way about that kind of the military I, uh, aspect. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I noticed after the first watch, I was like, man, like they really want people to join the, uh, the Air Force. But then also, <laughs> I feel like this is every frat guy's favorite movie. <laughs> that's true and that's the weird thing that yeah, not, i mean correct you but you just said air force and for my whole life i thought it was the air force too because obviously air force planes it makes sense but navy pilots that's a weird thing too it's like <laughs> oh right it's the navy what an oddly weird detail yeah to put I, in there that's part of the navy <laughs> listen like, i wish yeah <laughs> it's i, I guess let's go the article was about that but um my whole life, I didn't really realize, and it's, I should know this because I live in a Navy town. Like, we have like the largest Navy base in the world around here. But um, uh, apparently the, the Navy has more planes than the Air Force. 
<laughs> like, so yeah, that's I. I thought the same thing too. I was like, oh, the Air Force. Oh, it's Navy pilots. Okay, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's weird. I mean, it's it's a huge like, you know, it, it it is what it is. Like, it makes the military look super cool. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but I oh, I see it a hundred percent. I'm like, oh yeah, this was like a commercial. Like you know, <laughs> like, it's just so weird that. Yeah, that this is a recruit. Like, I don't know. Like, if this is a recruitment video, it would make me go like, "Wow!" Like, I better be the best in my class, or this is all pointless to me. <laughs> you know, because they make be... it out to be such a competition. <laughs> you could worry you could die like goose too. That doesn't look too good. It's like you know, it's like yeah, <laughs> you try it's... to eject and yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked the first time because I actually, I don't know if I didn't know that, or maybe I didn't know the way that he died. Because like they try to eject, like he hits like the. Uh, a canopy i think yeah uh, you know going out and i thought oh well he probably got a concussion he's probably fine no he's dead <laughs> like, uh, that kind of surprised me i was like oh okay shit oh he's dead from that okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a it, it, it's a scene where you thought no way in a movie like this is anyone gonna die and then mm -hmm. it gets so dark very quickly <laughs> yeah it gets like very serious for what it's been like a fun light movie um and that actually reminds me of one thing i want to bring up about Apparently Tony Scott like wanted to make this movie darker. He he thought he could make Top Gun like his apocalypse now. Oh my like, god. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's nightmare like, fuel. <laughs> like I can't even imagine how Top Gun ended up that it could ever be anything like Apocalypse Now, but he wanted to make like a dark, like military epic. And Jerry Bruckheimer and Dom Simpson were like, that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> He's like, you got to you got to get that out of your head. because That's not what's going to happen. So um, he that could there's a much darker version of Top Gun that could have existed. And and that that he was all the stuff at the beginning of the movie when Tony Scott's like shooting them on the aircraft carrier and it's like slow motion and all that stuff. Apparently, he did that stuff kind of early on, I think. And they were looking at the dailies and they didn't like it because it looked there was all the slow motion. It looked really dark. And they were like, what is this guy doing? Is he doing like a, an artsy movie? What is this bullshit? And they literally fired him for like a day. They fired him off the movie. Um, I think I read it was either a suspension. I don't know who you ask. I think it comes like it's either a suspension or a firing for like a day. And then he came back and then he got fired again because they didn't like how he was. Uh, he was like dealing with Kelly McGillis and it wasn't like the actor. It was her character. Mm -hmm. And Tony Scott on the commentary even says that. Um, they thought he was dressing her like, in his words, too whorish, which I don't know. <laughs> like, Whoa, and they were like, so you got to like, yeah, I know. And he was like, I didn't mean to do that or whatever. He's like, he's like, I don't know. And then he's like, so they switched it and kind of toned her down. Like, she's very much in like kind of business attire. You know, it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it looked like before, but he got fired at least twice. And I think I read there was possibly a third one. <laughs> so somehow Rack makes this movie after he got fired like three times off of it. <laughs> It's such a weird, I don't know, like, it's weird, like, I can't think of movies that are like Top Gun, I and mean, that's maybe why it sticks out so much to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, actually. I, I was thinking that when I first saw it, I'm like, this is like, I can't think of a lot of movies like, like this. I see movies that like, influenced, but it's a weird movie. I mean, there's so many parts coming together, because like, they had this idea, they brought a few writers in, Tony Scott's influencing it, the military's influencing it, like, um... So it does feel like there's like a lot of pieces put together, honestly. And <laughs> um, and it's funny because I know earlier we talked about it being like kind of music video like. And I forgot to mention that Tony Scott literally said that he was cutting the some of the action scenes to music. So like as they were editing it, he was using music. So like it was already kind of it was already happening before they put the score over. it. You know what I mean? He was working with the music. So even more like a music video, really. <laughs> I mean, that's what Scorsese does. Usually when he um, when he makes his movies, he he thinks of songs he wants to put in movies and build scenes around those that music. And I wonder how Tony Scott kind of approached that, because like we said, the, this seat, like the soundtrack for this movie is pretty iconic. And it was also very successful um, and made, made the movie a lot of money. Um, also, probably a lot of um, leather jackets and jeans sold a lot after this because like <laughs> everyone wanted that Maverick look. Uh, but man. I, there's parts in this movie where I am kind of wondering, like, how did they direct this movie? Like, it seemed like it was a lot of work to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's a movie. And then it's a movie where. Like we talked about, like plot, like it, it, there's there are parts in this movie where you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I like how everyone just kind of chilling and hanging out. And then one really <laughs> cool scene and a cool music 
um, number, but compared to like a lot of movies coming out at this time, it's crazy how this movie made way more money than all of those. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's weird. It's like it's almost like it's like a, what's the word? Um, not a miracle, but it's kind of just like <laughs> all these things come together out of nowhere and make this hit movie. And like when you read about it, um, it's kind of a, it was kind of a mess to get together. It was kind of a mess to make like because like you said, it was re- it was really hard to shoot. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was reading about like all the stuff with the jets like they were putting cameras like on the jets, uh, which was was like. The technical advisors, the military guys were like, this is a little dangerous, like uh, to do this. And um, and they said they had meetings uh, with all the technical guys and the crew and Tony Scott. And they were literally when they had the cameras on the jets, they had to like plan out like every single move they were doing in the air. And it was super, super specific. And they couldn't like there was no room for proposition. Basically, it was like, you've got to fly just like this and do this move at this time and and it took like hours and they were fighting and it was like i mean it does sound like just a nightmare to shoot like um but it looks it does look really good and i love that they use real jets and it's not like cgi you know it's just they had to shoot real jets up there like it's kind of crazy <laughs> yeah i mean you know this movie is like you said hoorah rah but i never got the impression like i want to join the military you know it's like <laughs> Just boys in planes, just, you know, shooting the shit. I never got that impression with this movie. Uh, but I feel like this movie is probably. <sighs> how do I say? Like, I, I feel like it is like a movie that you'd put in for like guys who were like, oh, man, I want to join the military, you know, drink some beers, <laughs> ride in a cool motorcycle and stuff, you know, <laughs> versus something that's genuinely probably how the military is like in Platoon that came out the same year. You know, that's just insanely dark and gritty. Um and I'm trying to, oh, wait, no. I was about to say, I think Val Kilmer was also in Platoon, but no, he's not in that at all. Um, that was Tom Berenger. But oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> also, why is everyone in this movie sweaty? I never could understand that. <laughs> everyone is sweaty throughout the whole movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Everybody is sweaty at all times. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's just part of the look. It's like a lot of smoky rooms with light coming in, which is like a Tony Scott like uh, standard look. And But yeah, everyone being sweaty is a good <laughs> Good question. I mean, they're in San Diego. I thought it usually kept pretty cool, but I didn't think it get that get that hot in San Diego. <laughs> like, yeah, God, it's like a lot of sweaty, good-looking people just hanging around. Like, um, it's it's a weird movie. I don't know. <laughs> like, I I really didn't want to come in hard on Top Gun because um because I do like it enough. Like, I like it more than I used to, and like I know people love this movie, and it is a, a beloved classic to a lot of people. So I did didn't want to come in and like shit on it but it's kind of a weird movie and like i think it's one of those movies that when people go back if they haven't seen it or the younger people go back and see it they might be like I-, I don't get this or i don't get why it's such a big deal but like i could get why it was like a massive deal in the 80s it does feel like a real time capsule of yeah. what i know it's a movie time. like it's a movie like where my my mom was telling me more about this movie than my dad <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, something for everybody. I'm telling you, it's got like, it's it's just a movie that I'm looking at the budget right now. It's $15 million budget and it made $356 million. Crazy. I'm amazed they made it for that little amount of money. I was going to bring that up. Like that budget seems very small. And I know that like Tony Scott said, I thought it was somebody they went over budget, but he's like, he's like, no, he got it done. Basically. I think they went like a million or 2 million over, but not like way over. But I mean, um, it looks like it costs way more than $15 million to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think I could, like I said, this movie looks like it was hard to make because it also looked expensive as fuck. And <laughs> I don't know. It's weird that this movie, <laughs> the protagonist is like this cocky guy. And I think that's probably why it did so well for, and it re- related so well to so many people is because your protagonist is kind of like for most of the movie, this cocky guy who is ultimately right most of the time and going against an authority and learns a lesson you know but kind of you know makes everyone his friends and i feel like a lot of people are like oh i kind of want to be like that you know like i want to play by my own rules and (laughs) you know i want to be this this cocky hard ass no he's not even hard ass but like just this cocky guy who knows more because he's a lieutenant i believe or or a captain or something and um you know, I mean, even though he's, you know, putting everyone like what is what does my ice man say? Like, yeah, the enemy's dangerous, but I, I I think you're the most dangerous one. Whose side are you on anyway? Or something <laughs> like that. I, I oddly remember so many lines from this movie from Val Kilmer. <laughs> he's got a lot of good lines. I mean, he's got a lot of memorable parts in the movie. Um, 
it's funny. I knew so many of these lines before I even saw the movie. So it clearly, <laughs> it clearly had like staying power. Like it had massive influence. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I don't know. And that's the other thing I was thinking, like, what is the point or the message of this movie? And I don't know if it necessarily has one. <laughs> like, but maybe what you said was the closest thing. It's like, do people just need to like learn to work with other people? But that seems like kind of a weak message. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's I, at the end of the day, I don't really think anybody had like high aspirations of, you know, this is art. I think they were like, we're making like the best blockbuster we can make. And on uh, that front, I think it worked. Um, and it's funny because yeah, Tony Scott was like, after the hunger really bombed, like he was just happy to have a job. He was like, oh, thank God. Like he's like, I need a job so bad. So, um, so yeah, I just think he was like, I'm just going to make this movie. I'm going to make it look the best I can look. I'm going to make it like fast and fun. And that's kind of like as f- high as the aspirations went in the movie. <laughs> I do think it'd be cool to join the Navy and have like be enrolled in this program just so I could have some sort of cool nickname, you know, because <laughs> everyone has cool nicknames. <laughs> Funny enough, you brought that up. I had in my notes. So that's be a fun thing to do that. We could, uh, we could look up call signs because there is a <laughs> yesterday. I was like, Oh, there's, I can like, what's my call sign, like call sign website. So I thought we could like figure out our call signs on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do it, man. Okay. If I get anything close to Viper, I think I'd be happy. I, I'm I'm so in love with Tom Skerritt in this movie also because he was an alien 79. But uh, <laughs> I just love his character. He's just such a badass, you know, like he's like the older guy. But like he also understands how cocky these kids are, you know. I don't know. I've always thought when I first saw this movie, I was like, man, Tom Skerritt kind of steals the show for me next to Goose. <laughs> I think no, I think he's great. I think uh, Michael Ironside is like underrated. Great in this movie. He's like because I love Michael Ironside. He pops up and stuff. He's kind of like the the right hand man to Tom Skerritt, I feel mm-hmm. like. And uh, I don't know the military ranks, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like they're both great. It, it, he kind of adds like a little bit more. Um, what's the word like <laughs> just feels like he adds some authority to the whole thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, he's a more hard ass guy. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. Yep. Um, all right. I'm trying to get this to load. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chris, your call sign is Chris Papa Hurtado. <laughs> so you're Papa. Uh, which, oh, man, I feel like I'm going to get a really shitty one. You got Papa. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Oh, man. OK. I usually prefer Daddy, but I'll take Papa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I actually like mine. I got Grizzly. Ooh, Papa Grizzly, let's go. Papa and Grizzly, let's go. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that uh, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Pretty... I'm gonna just like introduce myself for now. It's like this is Chris Papa Hurtado. <laughs> yeah, Papa here, and it's like I come in like, hey, and Grizzly here too. <laughs> and you got Walker Texas Ranger on the coast, the co-hosting with you. <laughs> yeah, he could just be. Yeah, I think Ranger might be his call sign. I don't know. I was gonna like make one up for you, but I was like, I couldn't. I was like. Let me just look up this website and look up a call sign. But uh, um, yeah, I feel bad because I feel like some guys get apparently I read that you it's like a big no, no to give yourself a call sign like in the in the Navy, like the pilots, like because uh, if you do that, then they will they will take it away from you. If you come in like, oh, yeah, I'm ace. Then all the other guys are like, no, fuck that. You're like your uh, mouse or something. You know, it's like they give you something like um, really shitty. And apparently Sounds so toxic. I can't wait. <laughs> So, so toxic. <laughs> Apparently, also, I thought this was a really funny bit of trivia that, like, at the actual Top Gun school, if you say any lines from Top Gun, they make you put $5 in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I mean, first thing I would do, I'd come in there, like, say, you know, I got the need for speed. They're like, $5 in the jar, guy. <laughs> like, shit, sorry. Like, <laughs> didn't know any better. Um, how could you not, honestly? <laughs> so, um, man. Also, I- this mm-hmm. is a movie where, like, I th- when I think of, like, 80s love scenes, I think of this movie a lot of times mm-hmm. with, like, the blue, blue. like, background. Because yeah. I know in Terminator, it also has a very similar um, love scene. And then, uh, I don't know, I just always associate, like, 80s. Because, like, the 80s, I feel like, is all about the boys and guns and guns, you know? Like, big <laughs> muscles, sweaty bodies, and yeah. huge guns. And then, like, you have to throw some love in there. So it's like, well, we want to make it quick and sexy and then move on. So it's like they would, like put a blue backdrop in like shadow so you can't see too much and then it's back to the action after <laughs> yeah it's like this a pg-13 love scene this does feel like a very stereotypical like hollywood love scene with the music and the lighting and like just the way that it's shot like uh, this is like what i think of as like a standard like pg-13 hollywood 
sexy. <laughs> this is like setting the standard here, but like, I mean, Tony Scott shoots the hell out of it again. He's like, I'm gonna make this love scene look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of flashes of greatness in this movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there wasn't, then the movie probably wouldn't have been as good as it would have been. It would have been just like a really awkward late 80s action movie. And it's not even an action movie. I don't even know where you, how do you classify this movie? I think they do call it an action movie, but I kind of am with you because it's not when I think of an action movie, I think of like gunfights and mm-hmm. or martial arts or, so, you know, like, fight, like mm-hmm. fights. But there's no I don't know what else you would call it. I mean, it's, it could be like action, drama, romance, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a good point. It's kind of in a weird spot. It's such a but... hangout movie. Like they, <laughs> everyone's just hanging out. It is. I, I feel like. Tarantino might have also described it as a, he likes to call a lot of things hangout movies, but I feel like when he was talking about it, <laughs> he's kind of right because there's like a lot of scenes of people just hanging out. Like they're just like, yeah. such a, it's a weird movie. I don't know. I I feel like I get I get more from this movie every time I watch it. And I've probably seen it only like three or four times, but like, like and those are most hangout movies. If like the first time you watch them, you don't really you might not like them as much, but you go back to them, you're like, okay, I know these characters now. Like, um, I get more into it, but um. No, it's 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 a good movie. It's just not it's not every my favorite Tony Scott movie, like as this podcast will show as it goes on. Like I'm kind of more of a fan of like later Tony Scott. Um, but this is I mean, it's a big movie for him. Obviously, it's like the biggest movie of his career. I think I think up until his death, I think I think he never had a movie that made more money than this after it was like this was still his biggest hit. Well, he made uh, maybe one of the biggest movie makers of all time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I, his track record's great. I love face. I. Maybe not love, but I definitely like all of his movies. Honestly, I don't think there's there's not one that I go, oh, that's a bad movie. Um, but there's ones I like more, obviously, and ones I like less. But like, I don't think he made like a complete dud um, at any point, which is another reason I want to do the show, because I'm like, it's a director I love. I think he made every movie is at least interesting and I like all of them. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it should be inter- interesting. I hope you uh, watch more of these. Uh, Tony yeah, Scott I movies. definitely <laughs> do. And it doesn't seem like he has an Exodus Gods or King in his filmography. So. <laughs> Yeah, Ridley, I think, made so many more movies. I don't know how many movies he actually directed. I think I can look, but um, that he was cranking them out. Like, uh, and he's he was done... the th- not to make it like a Tony, like a, a Ridley Scott podcast now. But one thing I will say about Ridley Scott is I love him. He's one of my favorites. But I think just like Spike Lee, his his like um, his passion and like his inventism, like the way he just goes after something like when he's obsessed with something, he kind of goes after it. When you look at his filmography, it gets the best of him sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't want to listen to, you know, like an editor or like, uh, (laughs) like another producer, you know, he's like, no, 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 no. I want to do this Exodus thing. Like, it's going to be good. Like, trust me. It's going to like, it's so (laughs) fascinating. The burning bush, I can make it good. And (laughs) didn't listen to anything. Say they were Spike Lee. They're like, Spike, cut the movie down at least a half hour or so. And he's, I feel like Spike's just like, no, 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 no. I need all of this unedited, all cut in there. <laughs> and it's like, love you, boys. But man, it's like, listen to an editor or producer a few times in your career. So you would yeah. need less, like, not as good movies. I won't say a lot of them are bad, but there's some they are like, these could have been a lot better. <laughs> I, I do really love Ridley Scott and Spike Lee. And I was just saying, Spike Lee, and I always say this about him, is like, Spike Lee, I, I like this about him. He's not subtle. When his no. movies are very like in your face he's not going to go for like uh it, it's some people criticize him he's like oh he's too like he should be more subtle it's like that's not his style he like he's in your face about it like he doesn't have time to be i feel like he thinks he's like you know uh he's got important things to say and he doesn't have time to be subtle about it basically so mm-hmm. i do really like that about him and really scott's in so many different movies and so many different genres like it's crazy like tony kind of really stuck to action but like maybe different kinds of action but like ridley's all over the place there's sci-fi there's like drama there's some comedy there's crime there's like epic like gladiator you know gladiator's like a roman uh sword and sandal movie you know it's like so he's like all over the place like some horror like um tony scott did like the one horror movie the hunger and then it's it's mostly been action of different varieties after that so the um, hunger man when you two when you and Lindsay were talking about it i kept thinking Damn, I should have got that Warner Archive Blu-ray before the sale ended. I even regret yeah. it. <laughs> if you can, if you can find it cheap, buy the four pack with the hunger and some other stuff on it. Wolfen, oh, I think, is oh, on there. Okay. And Innocent Blood. Is that what I'm blanking on the name? And then uh the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatch with like 93 by Abel Abel Ferrara is really good. That's a good four pack, honestly. So Ooh. I would just buy that if you can. <laughs> okay. But okay. uh 
but yeah, check out some more Tony Scott. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it. So no, definitely will. And and with this podcast the way it's going, it's so easy to listen to. So um, I can't wait to listen to when you do True Romance and Man on Fire because I remember watching those pretty young as well. Those <laughs> and, are uh, definitely two I'm most excited for. So <laughs> yeah, and they're actually movies. Except well, True Romance I, I've watched in the last five years, so that's not. But Man on Fire I haven't watched since like I was a kid. Uh, but I still always remember that trailer with Denzel and uh, uh, Dakota Fanning and think, and I remember even watching it with my dad, Tony Scott's a dad movie type, which I'm not a big <laughs> on on the subgenre, but Tony Scott, I guess I'm okay with. So <laughs> Listen, I will contend that Tony Scott makes the best dad movie. <laughs> like, I feel like Crimson Tide, maybe the best example of like a dad movie. Like I know I've seen like my stepdad watching Crimson Tide. Like this is like, probably a long time like 20 years ago and i was like oh it's just people talking bored like dad movie i'm military yeah, yeah. you know and now crimson tide's like um, i think it's amazing so i'm like oh man do i love dad movies <laughs> or just tony scott movies i don't know but um yeah he makes the best dad movies i think uh so <laughs> um yeah and i think i want to make this point too because like i another thing about tony scott i feel like is that he will take your idea for a movie or your script and like make it yeah, he'll do something really unique with it, something special and make it better than it could be. And I think Top Gun's a great example of that because mm -hmm. I feel like he makes something really special out of Top Gun that clearly was super, super popular and it's lasted a long time and is still very, like, people, you know, still quote Top Gun. They still know about Top Gun, like, or they at least know the lines and everything like that. So um, he's good at that. He, you give him this idea, he's like, I'll make something special. This can be, just give me the freedom and the money and the time. I can do it. So, um yeah, no, I, I like Top Gun enough. It, uh, again, not near my favorite Tony Scott movies, but um, but it's good. I think it's good. So I, think, I think we're kind of on the same page on Top Gun, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I really like the movie, but I totally understand um, people are like, eh, not my yeah. jive anymore. You know, it's <laughs> it's one of those few movies that like, you know, it's it's so of its time and that's OK. You know, when I think you think of movies that like haven't aged well, you kind of like start to fade them out but like top gun i think is one of those few i'll watch every so often you know yeah 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 it's uh it's still it still holds up i feel like some movies that were like you think would be like bigger more culturally relevant have culturally goddamn culturally relevant have disappeared but top gun has has stuck around and uh i think i would probably watch it more than i thought i think the first time i saw it i was like i don't think i'm gonna watch top gun again but but now <laughs> i'm like i'm like i could watch i could throw top gun on in the background it's fine so um but yeah, I know it's people, there's people who think it's really bad and cheesy and terrible and some people who love it and they've loved it since they were a kid or since they were younger and it means a lot to them. So I see both sides. I see both sides of that. Um, however you feel, I hope we've done it justice people who were listening to this. So we tried, we did our best. Uh, I, I, I like it more cause it meant someone Tony Scott's career. I think that's, that's kind of why I love Top Gun. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, you already kind of answered earlier. But so of the Tony Scott movies you've seen, you would see you would say True Romance is your favorite Tony Scott movie. Yeah, I will. And I'll be honest with you. It's a, it's because like my parents both love that movie so much. And my mom made me watch a lot of Christian Slater growing up. And she mm -hmm. said that's the reason why she named me that Christian. Oh. <laughs> but like she spelled my she spelled it without an H. So I'm like kind of confused by that. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what she's always told me as a kid. She's like, I oh, I love Christian Slater. That's why your name's Christian. And I'm like, well, mommy spelled it wrong. Um, And my dad's like, true romance with Patricia Arquette. Pretty good. And now as an adult, I'm like, but David Arquette, let's talk about him. <laughs> but, um, but no, I really, really like true romance. And it is such an insane movie. Also, Tarantino loves it, you know? Um, so I mean, it's he like, wrote it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah he, uh, he uh, I it was funny because I think when I was younger, uh, I kind of wish he directed t uh, True Romance. But the older I get, I'm like, I'm kind of glad it was a Tony Scott movie. Like for, I like what he brought to True Romance. Like so. But yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. I like to that one is gonna be really interesting because I love True Romance when I was younger. Haven't seen it in a long time. Heard some people kind of say things recently about True Romance, like, you know, on Twitter or whatever. But they were like, oh, I don't think it holds up that well. But. I think also like I don't know I, I used to love it so we'll see what what where it uh, lands but I don't know but but <laughs> it's, it's so a, it's weird a, how I've watched yeah. all these Tony Scott movies as like as a kid growing yeah. up what kind of household was I in <laughs> I mean it sounds like my house where like my dad was letting me watch like RoboCop and like Terminator at age five right. so you know same same difference just a little a uh, little later so um right. man anything else you want to say about Top Gun before we wrap up or. Uh, no, I think uh, enough's been said about Top Gun, and I'm glad I got a chance to talk about it finally on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about the volleyball scene, so I know we... <laughs> got 
God bless. <laughs> we had joked about that's going to come up, and it did. And, uh, and there we are. We so, got some I mean, laughs. Yeah, we had fun. We took our shirts off. It's all good. <laughs> oh, I think I did this wrong. My shirt's still been on the whole time. Oh. So I must be. I think I'm Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards is the only guy in the vault who keeps his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, and he's probably I'm, the most shredded of everyone, too. <laughs> He didn't want to. He didn't want to intimidate them by taking his shirt off. <laughs> See, I think I'm Goose and you're Maverick. I think if this, this is there, you go. And that's why everyone's growing mustaches these days. It's because of Top Gun. Everyone has a cool stash. <laughs> oh man, I know they're back in, in favor. Uh, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you doing this and talking Top Gun with me. Like I said, I was I was kind of nervous about Top Gun because it's a big one, but. I think this was a good time and I hope it's fun to listen to for people. So um, thanks again for doing this, man. I'm going to let you plug uh, anything you want to plug your Twitter, your podcast, anything like that. Yeah, you can go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks Matt again for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And uh, if you want to listen to my weird opinions, you can check uh, my podcast inside the sequel. Um, the website's inside the sequel.com. Check us out on Twitter at sequel pod. And then you can follow me on Twitter as well at hertastic underscore Chris. And we also have a YouTube channel, um, Hertastic Reviews. Um, maybe one of these days I will do a Top Gun episode and grow out a mustache and be shirtless. <laughs> all the time. So we'll see about that. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for having me on again, Matt. No problem. You should put that on like an OnlyFans account. If you should make <laughs> just a mustache and shirtless like Chris doing a movie review. <laughs> and I'm going to be so oiled up and sweaty. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. This is this has been fun. Uh, <laughs> I have no else to say. Oh man, I had a blast talking to you. We always like I feel like we always just laugh a whole bunch. So I hope people aren't annoyed by that. But like we're cracking each other up, so it's cool. Um, but yeah, thanks again for doing this, man. Everyone check out Inside the Sequel. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I will go ahead and plug our stuff. Uh, of course, you can uh follow the podcast, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can follow us on uh Twitter at Film Feast Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at MapLady7, and you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feasts, all one word. Uh, and we will see you guys next time uh, for Volume 3, Beverly Hills Cop 2, with Anthony King way back, because he is the expert on 80s cop movies. Uh, that'll be that'll be next month in May, and next week we'll be back to a normal episode. I'm not sure what it'll be yet, so I will let you know. But thanks for listening, guys, and see you next time. <laughs>